The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Want to fearlessly explore your creative spirit? Join artist Susie K. Edwards for Path of the Butterfly, a weekend workshop at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Experiment with a variety of art forms, engage in mindfulness, walking, and silent meditation, and discover a new and free-flowing creative vision. This workshop is for beginners and professional artists. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You found the most positive place on the internet. Thanks for listening to unityonlineradio.org. Discover hope and healing from the other side. Welcome to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Listen, they're all around you, close as a thought or a memory. Messages of hope. Messages of hope. Hello, everybody. Welcome back for another episode. I'm just so excited to come to you today from West Palm Beach, Florida. Once again, I'm in my bus with Ty. We're traveling around. We're actually at a rally for for people with buses like the one we have. And it's just been a lot of fun. We, we've been at the fairgrounds and we snuck away to Palm Beach uh, for about an hour earlier. What a different world. And on the way back, I said to Ty, put me in the mountains, put me in nature any time. But it was beautiful to see the ocean. My guest today very much understands about nature and how sacred it is. And I can't wait to dive into a conversation with her. She is Sandra Ingerman, one of the most well-known shamans in the world today. I know of her work through the Shift Network, where we're both faculty members. And we just had our very first conversation before the show for a few minutes, but our paths have crossed multiple times. And I told Sandra that I really don't know that much about shamanism, so it's going to be great. We're all going to learn together as we go. Welcome to the show, Sandra. Sandra. Thank you so much, Suzanne. It's actually a delight for me to finally get the opportunity to meet you. <laughs> well, thank you. Let's start by diving right in. How long have you been a shaman? Well, um, in, in shamanism, it's seen a little bit as bad luck to call yourself a shaman. Um, Is that so- right? Um, your community calls you a shaman. If you do good work, if you heal people, if you help to heal the community, uh, then people say, oh, you should go see this great shaman over there. But um, to actually call yourself a shaman is seen as bragging to the universe. And whenever we brag to the universe, we get a big sure enough. And we lose our power. So we're very careful about the languaging that we use when we talk about 
our, uh, those of us who do shamanic work. And so I, I've been um, practicing shamanism formally for 40 years. Um, wow. But I had a, my first near-death experience when I was seven and I was hit by lightning and I had uh, two more near-death experiences after that, one incredibly dramatic in um, Mazalan um, in the ocean. And I had the most gorgeous, gorgeous experience. And so the understanding in shamanism is that if a person has a near-death experience, or a life-threatening illness that they're being chosen by the spirits. Um, and so shamanism is not a profession you choose. Uh, the spirits choose you, um, and they do it usually by giving you a life-threatening event and seeing if you have the spiritual strength um, to be able to get through it. And if you have the spiritual strength to get through it, then you have the gift of um, bringing in help from the other realms. So, um, so it's been a very long journey for me, but I was really, really uh, lucky because um, I grew up in the 60s, and so I had all these spiritual experiences at a very young, uh, early age, but I had no... Um, I had no formal spiritual practice. I just had all this spiritual wisdom, but I didn't know what to do with it. And so in 1980, in San Francisco on Halloween, I had the opportunity to take um, uh, a weekend workshop on what's called shamanic journeying. And I can explain that when the time is right. Yeah. And um, I met up with what we call a helping spirit who answered one of the biggest questions in my life, and I was hooked. Now and, we have to dive right in there a second. Yeah. <laughs> the first question, a helping spirit, was that person in physical form, another person at the time? No. So in shamanism, um, shamanism is... Uh, a very ancient practice. It's a nature-based practice. But uh, part of shamanism is performing ceremonies, and ceremonies help us step out of our ego. It, they help us step out of our own humanness. And so uh, we get to um, connect. We get to step out and connect with the creative forces of the universe. And as part of that, in the shamanic understanding, there are divine beings who once had life here on earth, but are no longer here anymore, but have incredible compassion for the human condition. And so from a shamanic point of view, and I want to say that shamanism is a universal practice, that dates back over 100,000 years. So everybody listening has an ancestor who practiced shamanism at some time. Um, so everybody has shamanism in their history. It's just not something that um, many people know um, in the West. And so 
it's understood in all shamanic cultures that when we're born, uh, these uh, one or two or three of these divine beings that could possibly take the form of an animal spirit um, that uh, lives in your area that you need to have a good relationship with to um, thrive and survive. Or it might take the form of an ancestor, a mystic, a religious figure, um, a teacher, a child. Um, we never, um, a goddess, a god. Um, Would we perceive these as actual people or pe teachers who come into our lives? Yes. And they are actual people. Yes, they're yes. deceased. So, oh, okay. Would yeah. they be the same as what I call a spirit guide? Yes, so it's exactly what you would call a spirit guide. We just have different languaging. In, yes. And, and so um, when I first studied shamanism, my teacher was so clear. Spirit guides are for channelers. They're for channelers. Um, helping spirits are for people who work with shamanism. But they're exactly the same thing. Okay. And so we have these spirit guides, these helping spirits. And um, as you work with them as spirit guides, they answer questions for us and provide healing help for us when, when we need it. So you were saying that one came to you unexpectedly and answered the biggest question of your life. Well, um, yeah, I got a very unexpected. We we used um, in in shamanism typically some form of percussion is used to go into an altered state to meet up with a helping spirit. So um, I work with a drum and a rattle. Um, you know, I just made a surprise face because I believe last summer I was in Taos. Pueblo, and I bought a drum that was hand painted and, and with a wolf on it to give it to this, the parents of this young man named Wolf, who I wrote a book about. And I believe you have a drum painted by the same artist because I think she said I painted I've painted drums for Sandra Ingerman. Does that ring a bell? Sherry. Sherry. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, how funny. I met Sherry when she was just a baby. I taught a workshop for Omega Institute in Costa Rica, and she was in her early 20s. She was just a baby. So I'm and, sorry to take you off track, but all of a sudden there's just one of those points of connection in the in yeah. the web. Yeah. yeah. So I'm you you're talking it. about using usually using percussion yeah. or drums. So we use um, percussion. It changes your brain waves. It it changes your brain waves. So. When we're in an ordinary state of consciousness, like most of us are now, our brain waves are what are called in a beta state. We're just thinking our, our ego is going crazy. <laughs> and, um, and then when we listen to drumming, uh, monotonous percussion, our brain waves start to slow down first into a meditative state, an alpha state. And then as you continue to listen to the drumming, your brain waves slow down uh, even slower to what's called a theta state. And in that theta state, that what allows the shaman to 
have an opening. It's not an out-of-body experience. That's the biggest confusion about shamanism in the West today. Um, shamans actually take their bodies with them. And so we go into an altered state of consciousness, and we step through this 3D realm that we're living in now, and we go into a hidden reality where there are beautiful plants and trees and nature, and you can go up into the upper world where there are crystal um, uh, crystal cities and crystal temples where you can go for healing. There's the void, which is the place before before creation and you can go there and do magnificent manifestation creation work you can meet all kinds of teachers who have such a different perspective they're looking at our lives we're looking out of our lives out of our ego's eyes the spirits are looking from a different perspective may so, i interrupt for a second yeah. because i know that many of the people who follow my work are very left brain because i used to be very much more left brain than I am already. And one of the most common questions I get about mediumship is how do you know it's not your imagination when you're talking to those who have passed? Now, I've answered that many times, but those who are hearing of your journeying now, what do you have to say to them who say, well, how do you know it's not a dream or it's not your imagination? I've been teaching shamanic journeying around the world for 40 years, and I have never, I know I'm using a double negative here, I've never not been asked that question. <laughs> never, never. <laughs> and so we have to understand that we grew up in a culture, in a society that says, don't be a dreamer, um, follow the rules, don't shine your light too brightly, or you're going to bring too much attention to yourself. Uh, just do your job. And, and so we were taught that only what we can see, feel, hear, smell, hear is real. But in shamanism, it's understood that this reality is an illusion and there's a beautiful dimension of reality um, at, at right, right, I call it a parallel reality to us. And so what I tell people is um, that we've lost our imagination because of how society has trained us. And so we no longer have the senses that can actually hear the invisible sounds and love and songs that's being shared by nature and by the invisible realms. We don't get to see the same colors or the sights. And so what I explain to people is you have to have patience with yourself. You did not grow up in a culture that supported this type of work. But I can't convince anyone that this work is true. But the results of this That's work, right. now shamanism has been around for 100,000 years. It's the first spiritual practice known to humankind. Why is it still here? Huh. It's still here because it works. It works. It cures people. It cures the environment. It cures community problems. It creates harmony with nature. 
and, and people have been working in this way around the world for over 100,000 years. So I tell people, if you're going to focus your whole session on trying to listen to the spirits of a making it up, a making it up, a making it up, you just wasted a lot of time. And if you paid for a session, you just wasted a lot of money. So uh, agree with your mind. Agree with your mind. Do not fight with it. Tell it, I'm making it all up. I'm making it all up. And ah. then when you tell your mind that you're making it up, it will leave you alone. But then what you want to do is you want to watch the results over time because your helping spirit might have showed you a building with a red roof. And that happens to be three weeks later where you get a job interview where you got the best job that you could have possibly imagined. But the red roof made no sense to you at the moment, but it showed up three weeks later. So in shamanism, we're always looking at what are the results, what happened, not that was a beautiful journey, that was really nice. Um, thank you so much, Sandra, it was nice meeting you. It was, did you get a job? Did you get a relationship? Did you get healthy? And if you didn't get healthy, did you get the information on what you're working on inside of you that is causing um, this illness for you. So everything in shamanism is result-oriented, and this is a very um, tough thing to say, but in some shamanic cultures, shamans were killed if they did not get results. Um, and That's this, motivating. That's that's not what we're dealing with today. today. Yes. <laughs> you know, so there was a lot of motivation um, from the people to survive because the shamans were the psychiatrists, the doctors, the mystics, the storytellers of the whole community. And so the community depended on having a strong healer, um, a strong intervener between the ordinary and spiritual realms, or they would not survive. So that's the power that shamanism is carrying into our world today. So instead of worrying about whether what you're channeling is right or wrong or is part of your imagination. Notice how your life changes over time because it's going to change over time. And the synchronicities, you're going to go, oh my God, I got that in the channeling four weeks ago, you know? And, and so then it just, the systems prove themselves to you. You don't have to try and figure it out. They just prove themselves to you. That is so profoundly helpful. I hope that everybody listening right now is going, oh my gosh, that's so easy. Is it helpful? Is it healing? That's what we say in mediumship as well. And I'm curious now because I thought that shamanism was all about the physical or emotional healing. And yet you were talking about did one of the results, did you get the job? Did you get a relationship? How would that play into a session with a shaman? Well, um, if you went to a shaman, um, a shaman could give you advice, like I saw 
um, a building with a red roof. Um, I don't know what it means, but you might want to see if there's a location um, that holds some work for you. Um, I um, see a relationship in your future. But mostly what a shaman would do, besides divining this kind of information, is perform a ceremony. And uh, ceremonies are, are a wonderful practice to bring into your life because they really, really bring you into a place of stability and centeredness because you're so connected to the creative forces of the universe. While you're performing a ceremony, you and the divine are one. While you're this something that everybody listening could do by themselves as well as in a group? Yes, and so I teach people how to do ceremonies. So let's say, um, let's say you want a relationship, um, and let's say it's safe uh, where you're living um, to build a little fire outside of your house and um, you really focus on um, how you would feel to have love in your life. I mean, the whole thing of the cellular feeling, you have to really get your senses alive and what it would look like, what you would be look like to be so happy telling your friends, I found true love. Um, what would they be saying back to you? Would you be eating with your friends while you're telling them this? And so you create a whole scene to bring into manifestation. And um, what I do is I take a stick and I wind yarn around it. And with that intention, so it's like, I'm winding out of me my dream into this stick. Um, oh, very good. And then I give the stick to the fire, where the fire takes your dreams up to the creative forces of the universe and says, this is what this divine being is asking for. Are you willing to help? You can do it to let go of an illness or a pain or a trauma or a hurt. If you're by the ocean, you can draw mandalas in the sand and um, of what you're asking for, a symbol of what you're asking for, and let the waves come and take it away or take a pain away and take your symbol with it so that that pain doesn't exist anymore. So I can feel as you're talking, this is very much harnessing consciousness. And from a scientific point of view, we could say that you're manifesting using intense focus and intention. But there's such a feel and energy to what you're bringing into this that takes it out of this scientific, just consciousness realm into something more sacred. Yeah, you're, you're, you've created this whole entire family of spirits and um, in shamanism, all shamanic cultures believe in a creator and that the creator loves us and wants to help us. And so uh, with ceremony, again, we do a lot of preparation work, a lot of drumming and singing to move the ego out of the way 
so that a very strong link, a really strong link is created between you and the creative forces of the universe. For those who are listening, you'll, you'll see this on the video when we put it on YouTube later. Sandra just did a movement with her hands that I do all the time as well. This just clearly showing how you're aligning with the higher power. Ooh, this beautiful up and down motion. Yeah. Yeah, we use the word strong link in shamanism. We we need, whether you're working alone or whether you're working in a group, everybody needs to be a strong link, not thinking about what they're going to cook for dinner later, but really focusing on what you're asking for. You could even blow a wish or a hurt into a stone and you can bury it into the earth or put it in the water and I just ask people to um, not put any negative emotion into the environment, but release anything that's negative, but ask that it be transformed into love and light so that you're feeding the earth and all of life with love and light instead of uh, dumping more pollution um, into the earth. Um, but there's so many things that you can do on your own with stones. You can make a little ship and send send it off to sea. Uh, the most common way that shamans work around the world is with fire. Fire, the element of fire is seen as a very transformative um, element. So it it partners with us and it helps us in our practice. I know that fire is a big issue for people right now. Um, fire is part of what's happening with climate change and so there's a lot of destruction that's happening so there's a lot of fear coming up around fire but fire is one of the strongest um, elements that's used with ceremony. Um, I like to be like a kid and I like to get bubbles from a toy store and um, blow bubbles into the wind. Nice. Um, and so you can blow your wishes. And so ceremonies can be really simple. In shamanic cultures, ceremonies were how they survived and how they honored transitions from childhood into puberty, into adulthood, um, marriage, divorce, death, um, and every change of season. So shamans were always focused on the sun, the moon, and the stars because those um, alignments told the shamans when the best time to do a healing or honoring ceremony would be. And the ceremonies could last for weeks or months. We just don't typically work like that in the West. Wow. Well, we're coming up on a break. And before we do, your latest book is about ceremony. Would you just tell us that briefly, the title? Yeah, the Book of Ceremony. Um, it, I love doing ceremonies more than anything. And I poured my heart. And uh, one author who teaches on ceremonies said to me, you did not leave out one single detail. I don't know how you did it. Um, That's outstanding. I, I, 
I just downloaded it onto my Kindle last night and just had a bit of time to dive into it. And I'm really excited. I have two drums at home when we get back home that I intend to start using a little bit more. You're definitely motivating me. And I hope she's motivating you too, everybody. Sandra Ingerman will be right back after a brief break for lots more great discussions about this fascinating topic. Want to fearlessly explore your creative spirit? Join artist Susie K. Edwards for Path of the Butterfly, a weekend workshop at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24 through 26. Experiment with a variety of art forms, engage in mindfulness, walking, and silent meditation, and discover a new and free-flowing creative vision. This workshop is for beginners and professional artists. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Promoting positivity and inclusivity. You're listening to UnityOnlineRadio.org, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back. You're listening to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Yeah, everybody, if you're like me, an hour is not going to be enough. I am so fascinated by this topic of shamanism. Sandra Ingerman couldn't ask for a better person to describe it to us. She's been practicing and teaching shamanism for 40 years. And wow, I barely know where to, to go next, but I'd like to talk about the healing aspect of shamanism, especially when it comes to thoughts. So many people in the spiritual movement say, well, you have to only think positive thoughts. I'd love to hear your perspective on thoughts and emotions as well regarding how shamanism can help. Yeah, that's, that's actually a very um, multi-layered question. So um, um, in shamanism, it's really understood that uh, we're born that this is earth school. I call it earth school. I, I can't Me say, too. <laughs> not and say that, but I've heard other teachers say that. And we're here to evolve and we're here to grow. Um, and so in shamanism, it's really important to learn how to express your emotions, you know, happiness, sadness, um, bliss, uh, frustration, hate, all of that. But at the same time, um, every word that comes out of your mouth in shamanism is seen as a seed that you plant in the ground that's going to grow. Every thought 
that you think is a seed and you plant it in the ground and it's going to grow. And every daydream that you have, um, you're, you're dreaming the world into being with your daydreams. And if we reflect on what people are daydreaming about throughout the day, there's no question on why we're, where we're at. And so it's not that, that in shamanism we focus on positive thoughts. We focus on the energy that you're feeding yourself and the collective with. And um, are you cursing yourself? Um, and every time, every time we start um, talking about hate or um, um, putting out a lot of negative words, you're reinforcing that to grow in your life. I call, I say that shamans are gardeners of energy, um, and. Nice. Um, and so it's not that that we believe that much in positive thoughts. We more believe in blessing, blessing ourselves and blessing others. And so um, there's a song, uh, there's a lot of circle songs out there that we teach in shamanic workshops. People sing and dance, you know, constantly. That's part of shamanic cultures. That's how they got through um, so much uh, tragedy. And, um, and so in songs, the term may you walk in beauty is used in lot. And some of you might have actually heard that term, may you walk in beauty. A Navajo elder showed up to one of my uh, lectures where I was talking about the power of words and everything that I'm saying right now. And she came up to me at the end of the uh, lecture and she said to me, do you know what the words walk in beauty means? And I said, actually, I don't. And she said, for the Navajo people, what that means is that you only say things to them that is going to grow beauty in them. Uh, you only say things to another being that's going to grow beauty in them. And so... Like, how do we get that message out to the world, huh? Yeah, I know. And so... So it's more, how do we bless ourselves instead of saying, what a stupid being I am, I can't believe I did this, um, instead saying, I did this, and, and I did it, and I'm going to transform the energy around what I did into love and light, and I hope I don't do it again. Um, um, so we talk a lot about the difference between expressing and sending, for expressing is how you express your wildest emotions of what's going on, but what are you sending yourself at the same time? Um, what are you sending to your loved ones? What are you sending to your favorite plants and trees? And so... Um, so I teach that there's a big difference between expressing your emotions and then just closing your eyes for like a minute and saying, I wish that the energy behind this emotion be transformed into uh, energy of love and light. Nice. And um, so... And then there's people who fight with me and say that in spiritual traditions, uh, there's only oneness, and so there's no negative or positive thoughts. 
And if the population was ready for that, was evolved enough for that, I would agree with that because it's true. But the population isn't ready to jump to there is no such thing as a, a negative thought. Um, you know, we have to take responsibility for what we're putting out there in the world first. And then we can see all energy as neutral. Um, so I hope that helps. Oh, definitely. You mentioned the, the Navajo elder coming up to you, and we love stories on this show. So I would love if you'd share with us uh, any of your favorite stories of healing or where you there was no other explanation than that you're tapping into a greater reality. Yeah, well, I, um, I've recently been um, talking a lot about uh, two ceremonies that um, I performed um, uh, in my years of teaching. Uh, one was a fire ceremony right in the middle of uh, Hurricane Opal. And so we had a, we weren't going to do the ceremony outside for obvious reasons. And um, there was a little room and a little tiny fireplace. And I had about 40 people in the group and we would have been squashed in like sardines, but it would work. It would work. It just wouldn't mm -hmm. be perfect. But that's the way ceremonies go. Every ceremony is perfect as long as you hold the intention. It doesn't matter what anything looks like. The second we were getting ready to light the fire, the hurricane stopped. Just stopped. And I just said to the group, grab a piece of wood, just grab a piece of wood. And everybody grabbed a piece of wood and ran outside. And we ran to this beautiful fire pit that I'd been talking to since I got there, trying to figure out how we can use that fire. And um, we performed our whole fire ceremony, which meant everybody had been working on a talisman all day long of a hurt, of a trauma that they wanted to ask the fire to help them heal from this trauma. And, um, and it's one person at a time, and people take their time. We don't run. We don't run up to the fire. We take our time. We dance what we're letting The second, the last person put in their talisman, and I, and then I closed the ceremony by thanking all the spirits for coming and for letting us do this work. The second I finished my thanks, the hurricane came back, and we all just ran, ran as fast as we could back into the retreat center. I mean, it was really a miraculous event. Very and cool. then um, I had another one um, in Santa Fe. We were supposed to do a fire ceremony, and we were going to do it indoors. Um, it was a, we were going through a terrible drought, which we always are, but this one this year was particularly bad. It actually looked like if you um, looked at a tree that it would just burn up. Um, and so there were uh, hanging trees over the room where we were going to do the fire, and there was no spark arrester. And 
I was a firefighter uh, for the Forest Service back in the 70s. And, you know, I, I'm responsible with fire. I, I don't want to burn any place down. Um, and so I told the group that we were going to have to cancel. And, of course, they were devastated. You know, we put a lot of work towards these ceremonies. And so I said to the spirits, if if it rains at exactly 30 seconds at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I will do this fire ceremony. Oh, wow. And it, it rained for exactly 30 seconds at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And years later, believe it or not, this was a miracle. I was contacted by a climatologist who heard the story for some, from somebody and he asked me, do you have the date and time when you did this, um, when you did this? And um, I, I don't know how I found it. I really don't. But I was able to find all the information. And he said there was a very strange weather event over Santa Fe exactly at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. A very strange cloud formation came right over your location. <laughs> It's my goosebump moment. It happens every show. Yeah, so those are two. And I mean, I have so many stories of people coming to me with cancer and um, either having a miraculous cure or, or having an absolutely positively beautiful death where the spirits talk to them the whole entire way and help them prepare and... Um, so I have, I have actually have collected 10,000 case studies that have come from uh, the work I've done and the practitioners that I've trained. And we've just had really unbelievable um, effects. Of course, the complication is, is there are so many mysterious illnesses these days uh, that... Um, that aren't as easy to cure with shamanic methods as what we used to have to deal with. So what is actually happening in these cures? What is the difference with shamanism from other healing modalities? Well, <clears throat> in shamanism, basically, to make it really simple, we uh, typically see that um, there's a blockage somewhere in the body, or and or that there's something missing so um, we might have to bring back a new helping spirit for somebody to give them power to help them get over their depression their chronic illness their suicidal tendencies or their bad luck losing a, a helping spirit oftentimes uh, can bring bad luck to a person and uh, getting a new helping spirit can take them out of that situation. A person can lose a part of their piece of their soul through trauma. If I'm going to be in a very traumatic event, a crash or something happening to my body, I don't want to be present during that. You know, I want to go away. And so a piece of our soul might escape um, during war. I, I need to dive in there because this, I know this is languaging once again, okay. because to my understanding and experience, the soul is an energetic form. And so how does something that's not physical 
break into pieces. Yeah, there's no explanation about this. It's a, it's an energetic understanding that a person has lost some of their life force. Um, it's part of the life force uh, leaving. And so it depends on uh, the shaman journeying on behalf of a person, how they're going to perceive the energy. So like for me, I actually will see the age, um, a child at the same age when somebody left or a fetus or an adult or, you know, I'll actually see the form that they were in when they left. For some people, they see more of a color, some of a color left or some energy left, um, and they'll see a metaphor of that uh, energy. And so we bring that back. Um, so, so I practice evidential mediumship where I need the evidence that what I'm getting is accurate and I can see, again, speaking from ignorance of shamanism, though, that you would be able to tap into things going on in someone's life that you wouldn't have any way of knowing. Oh, yeah. And the first year of doing soul retrievals, I didn't let people give me anything but their first name. Because I, I wanted to, you know, the question of imagination, I, I, I was going to be left with if the person told me this in in our intake how is i going to trust my journey right so i went into my journeys without knowing any information and that's how i gained trust um in the process was my information was always corroborated by the clients so i'm fascinated to hear what those journeys for you are like say a client comes to you and you'd have no idea what their issue is, what do you do? Do you, con do you go with your unseen helpers? And how do, you, how do you perceive and discern the information that's helpful for your clients? Well, it's really important to understand in shamanism, and again, this is a misunderstanding in the West right now. I don't do anything. Shamanism is the easiest um, thing for um, except for the initiations you have to go through but you don't do anything in the sessions you are literally I call it a hollow bone you're literally just a hollow bone for the spirits so the spirits are just borrowing your body to work through you on your client so when a client comes to me and I say what's your presenting issue or I don't say what's your presenting issue, I just go to my spirits and I say, Suzanne came to me. She's not giving me a reason, um, but she's asking me for some kind of help. Can you look at, can you uh, tell me what kind of help Suzanne needs and, and bring back? the energy that she needs or take out the blockage or give me a ceremony to do in her behalf or give her information. And so, um, so I visit my helping spirit and my helping spirit does all the work. So I'm just um, a channel. I'm just an empty reed. I'm just a hollow bone for the helping spirits. So they look down and they see what's going on with the person's body. The challenge in the West is that clients come in, they've already read books on shamanism, so they tell you what they need. 
Uh, in, in a shamanic culture, that would never happen. You know, shaman, people trusted the shaman, but we're so psychologically sophisticated here that we think we know what we need, but we're looking from an egoic set of eyes where the spirits are looking at us in a very unique way. And so we don't treat anything the same. We treat every person in a very unique way because there's something different happening for everybody. And I would say in the majority of your cases, your clients have really no idea of the root cause of their issues. Yeah, oftentimes they think they do. You know, they come in and, and it's one of the things that we all deal with as shamanic practitioners, people coming in and telling us what to do. Um, so, and we have to back them up and say, shamanism is a system where the spirits tell us what to do. We don't tell them what to do. I love that. I love that because through my work, I've come to absolute knowing that there are spirits who help us you know, a decade ago or so I would not have been quite so sure but you 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 connect often enough and there's just no doubt right. now you used a word earlier that I've certainly heard before but I don't really know what it is a talisman oh okay yeah a talisman is um it's making a sacred object um, that you can put out on the land as an offering to your ancestor. I'm just giving some examples. Um, as an offering to your ancestors or helping spirits or as an offering to your favorite tree or plant or animal. Um, I use them in ceremonies where you can uh, leave them on the land so you only want to use materials in them that you know, are safe to be on the land. And as I shared, I put them in water during ceremonies or in fire during ceremonies. And so you can, again, you can take a stick and you can wind some yarn around it. Um, uh, prayer arrows are known in many cultures where you take a stick and wind yarn and leave it on the land with a prayer. Or it's a sacred object that you could put into a fire, put into water. And so my um, students have amazing um, imaginations. So people have made gift boxes for the spirits. Um, they make all kinds of things, uh, beautiful things with flowers that are willing to volunteer themselves. You never want to take anything from nature without permission. And um, so you, you just make some kind of object that can be left on the land or can be put into an element to be um, um, destroyed um, as part of your ceremony. Um, I love that. I love the, as I feel into you talking about your students, I know it'll have the same energy as with mine as well when they're not used to shamanism or mediumship and they suddenly discover this works. This is real. It's just beautiful to open people up to these greater experiences. I have to tell you, you shocked me at the very beginning of the show. I want to circle back to that. Sure. When you said that your first near-death experience was you were struck by lightning. You may not know that I started on this path because my stepdaughter was struck and killed by lightning. 
Oh my goodness. Yeah. Now she is still serving humanity across the veil because this is why I'm on the path because of her. And she's one of my helpers in the spirit world. And yet you're here now. That was one of your, you know, as you said, those transformative moments. You must know that this is a calling then for, for those who are your students. Some may be interested, but it has to be a calling. Yeah. So uh, just briefly, there's two categories. There's people who have been called, like myself. And then there's people who would like to learn the art of shamanic journeying to make their life better. Uh They might not be a great healer. They might um, not do anything for their community. But emanating love and light, of course, is doing the highest service you can possibly do. So we're all gifted to be able to serve our community. But there's tens of thousands of people now in the West learning shamanic journeying, but it's more for uh, gaining their own wisdom, for their own evolution, for their own healing, for being able to divine information for themselves and to make life better for themselves. So that's how shamanism has really changed over the years, is that, you know, in the old days, you went to a shaman, and people still do for healing, of course, but you also have the opportunity now to learn shamanic journeying and get your own helping spirits and let them advise you and let and let them heal you. So for some people, it's a calling, and for some people, it's a wonderful path. Um, of direct revelation. Awesome. And so again, your latest book, The Book of Ceremony, sounds like a really great place to start, but you have 12 books. Yeah, I do. I like to write. (laughs) All righty. We have just a couple minutes left to go. Do you feel that shamanism, the practice of it, even if it's at a personal level, we're not all going to become shamans, can change the world? Absolutely, because shamanism teaches the principles, number one, how to use your words, your thoughts, your daydreams to create a new, better world. And shamans teach that we're missing this in the West, and but they're doing the work. Um, and shamanism teaches us how to emanate love and light and to how to communicate with um, every living being on the earth itself. And so it brings us back into harmony, into community with all of nature. We can talk to the elements and we can find out what the elements would like us to do to help us with the environment. And we can honor them more. I, I absolutely believe, I believe that if every person on the earth got up every day and gave thanks to the earth, to the wind, to the water, and to the fire and the sun, we would not have any environmental issues right now. Um, so shamanism teaches us how to respond to nature and to others with kindness, honor, respect, compassion, love, and light. And those are the elements that can change the dream that we're dreaming right now to a really good dream for all of life and for our descendants. 
Wow. Is everybody as motivated as I am? <laughs> this is the Messages of Hope show, and you filled me with hope. This is, this is the message that we all need to carry to the world. So, Sandra, I can't thank you enough for being on the show. It was a delight, and thank you for the work that you're doing, Suzanne, and thank you, everyone. Absolutely. Everybody, please check out her books and her website, sandraingerman.com. An absolute honor. And we'll see all of you back here next week. Make it a great one. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hello, I'm Dr. Stephen Farber, and I'm an author, teacher, psychotherapist, and shamanic practitioner. On my podcast, Healing for Your Soul, I welcome some amazing guests and introduce you to some healing techniques like earth magic, working with nature and animals, and really getting to the heart of what is keeping you stuck. I want to help you deepen your spirituality and let go of blocks that are holding you back. Let me help you in this journey called life. Part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Subscribe and follow wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode.